Hello, and welcome to Epiphanies with Elango. This is James Morrison. <laughs> so I'm just going to switch gears a bit, um, James. This is on the state actors conversation. Oh, and, yeah. And um, how, how do companies react to, you know, of course, we spoke about how do we protect? What are the things that we do? How do I know I've been hit by a state actor? And if I'm hit by a state actor, what the hell do I do? Because I don't have the resources at all. However, I could be Facebook and still I can't do anything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, let's make sure we break down the, 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 the criminal actors we're talking about, right? State versus criminal. 95% of what you want to protect against is going to be on the criminal side. Um, you know, uh, that, and, and that protection, these guys are not, and women are not that good. Um, they are some that are great. Don't get me wrong. And I'm, you know, I don't want to challenge some of them to come after me. That's what happened with Sony. Um, so Sony, when they got hit, um, one of their guys on their entertainment side apparently made a comment like that. And, and so some hacker got really torqued off at him and came after him. I mean, there's some great ones. Don't get me wrong. But in general, a lot of the criminal groups that are operating in, in countries, you know, like Nigeria, India, Pakistan, uh, you know, Vietnam, some of those places, they're buying the software. They're, they're going on the dark web and they're purchasing that software. That's who you really want to protect yourself against. You want to make sure you have ransomware protect, prevention and ransomware recovery built in um, because 95% of the companies in the world are never going to have a nation state in their, in their, their business. Um, they're just not, they aren't big enough. But you know, small and medium businesses in particular are going to find themselves hit by that. Um, the other problem is, is from a nation state is we look at things like NotPetya, where the NotPetya ransomware wasn't aimed at individual businesses. It was intended to be aimed at largers, but it hit companies like Maersk and yeah. really did a, like $400, $500 million of damage to Maersk. If you get hit with a nation state actor, um, I, I'll tell you the best thing you can do right away is unplug your internet. I know it sounds completely whatever, but you have got to eliminate that access as soon as possible. But that's why an intrusion response plan is important. Um, if a Russian hacker got into your system, they would be able to gain sysadmin rights within 12 minutes. I think wow. that's the number I heard. They're, they're, they're tremendous. The Russian actors are fantastic. They know what they're doing. They're the best in the world and they've been doing it. I see what time. you're doing now. Any Russian hackers listening to us, you're making sure. <laughs> Hey, don't come, don't come after me, man. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm showing you some respect, right? Um, the Chinese hackers are probably the second, you know, best in the world. I mean, United States are really good. And outside of, let's say outside of like Israelis, or Israelis are really good. Um, but the Chinese groups, um, they're going to take a little longer. Um, it may take them as long as, you know, 24 hours to get in your network and start to move around. And, and You're setting you know, some SLAs for hackers now. So exactly, you know, I promise to have sysadmin rights by, you know, 12 minutes. I'm going to beat that FBI guy's <laughs> thing, right? Um, and then beyond that, you know, so then we have what I call the second tier, uh, you know, uh, groups. And, and Iran is moving itself into being a first tier. I mean, they've been around for a while doing a lot of work. But Iran, North Korea, um, they're going to take a little while, too. They may take 36 to 48 hours. That's why sometimes what I, I've said is that, and I said this earlier, disconnecting your internet, if you think you've got a major, like a really deep breach in there, that might be your answer. Um, just, to, but, but you need to have that plan in place and you need to have support of your, of your management when that occurs. Um, I would also say one of the, one thing of cyber insurance is, is that you want to have a instant response company on retainer. If you are a medium or large businesses in particular, you want to have somebody like CrowdStrike, somebody like Mandiant, 
somebody like, uh, you know, Kroll. Um, I have a ton of friends that work at Kroll. Um, and you want to have them on retainer so that when you see the first indications of compromise, you call them and say, yo, I'm seeing X, Y, and Z. And they're going to say, you know what, that's that's a state actor. Get out, get him out, turn it off. They're going to give you that initial response um, based upon the data that you're able to provide them. Um, so that's why I think it's 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 just the world we live in. Most companies have a lawyer on on retainer, right? It's time yeah. to also make sure we have an incident, a cyber incident response company on retainer. No, I agree. I think it's going to become. Um... You and I weren't, at least I wasn't around when we had to have lawyers for everything else, but it's become it's become a habit. My son got, got into trouble in school and he said, can we speak to the lawyer uncle of ours? And I said, no, you go figure out how to manage it. I'm going to start this at school. Well, in the United so States, we, we lawyer have, up. I mean, we have the highest lawyer per capita in the world and, and, and people will lawyer up in a heartbeat. Um, and so it just, it's amazing to me when you find somebody who, when you when we talk about cyber, why don't you have, why don't you have, uh, you know, you have probably a legal, you know, whatever, but having an incident response company, it saves you money. Statistically, if you have an incident response company on retainer, it will save you over a million dollars in that instant, that first response. Um, so I think, I think that's one of the things I would do is make sure your cyber insurance is up. Talk to the cyber insurance provider because they often have companies that they want you to use. Uh, and, and you can actually void your policy if you're not using a company that's on their approved list. Thanks for that, uh, James. And I think you, what you made a pertinent point, right? There's a lot of headline news about state actors, but you know, only maybe 5% of us will get hit, and that's really the big guys. And like uh, non-petcher, it could be a incidental, non, non-intended uh, victim. But I think the other piece that you said, which I found really relevant amongst Everything was a whole ransomware protection and ransomware recovery. Um, you know, Emphasis runs a service called IT911, where customers call us after the breach for recovery, not for forensics or for everything else. And we do this quite regularly. Guess what? We find that people haven't managed their backup and restore. That their yeah. bird processes are not done well. They have not isolated. They're probably sitting in the same stack. So I think getting some of those basics right uh, itself could save a lot of companies um, the grief that they will face. Seventy-five percent of backups fail when you need them. That's a crazy <laughs> statistic. Um, that that means that you know people have done back. They have their IT person doing their backups, and and I hate to say it, I've been there. Their IT person didn't know what they were doing. It's the first time they've ever set up that system, and it's not set up right. Or this is more more likely the data that they're backing up isn't enough data to actually bring your company back online because you haven't identified what data is so crucially important. Um, and, then, and then also the criminals are gonna go after your backups. Um, and so if you, if, you know, I, I mean, when we had this, when the uh, municipalities got hit a couple of years ago here in East Texas, um, I went out to one of them and they had their backups on a general hard drive, you know, system like a Buffalo drive. And when the hacker went in, they encrypted those too. So they didn't, you know, in the military, we had the three, two, one rule. You had three backups, two different mediums, one was stored in an offsite. If you had one backup that was stored someplace else, and, and what was interesting was in this particular municipality, the tax office actually had two backup drives and they alternated those backup drives. So they had another backup, but the site itself didn't. Uh, 
No, so it's three to one. Yeah. He, yeah. And just wait till your CFO gets to the three to one. He says, ah, that's too much. You got to cut the one that's offside anyway. And I <laughs> haven't used it for the, you know, one advice that I give companies is make sure your CFO is not involved in the CISO no. conversations. I mean, solar winds, the rumor on solar winds is that they outsource their software development because the CFO wanted to save money and have the software developed in Eastern Europe. That, I mean, it, you can't you can't make security. So let me make a very controversial statement that every company is going to kill me for. But in the true spirit of being with the FBI agent, I'm going to say this: CFOs are your biggest enemies for security. If you let them drive a cost angle here, I'm not saying go crazy and extravagant. Uh, but if CFOs are watching this, I'd urge you to think about this not as optimization, but as protection for the future. I'll tell you another one that this is another controversial statement, so I'll put myself on the hook. This one. The security officers should not report to the CIO. <laughs> and why would Secur you say that? That's the first time I'm hearing this. Security should be outside of the CIO's uh, purview. It should be directly to the, the uh, CEO or to a chief risk officer. Chief risk security, officer. security is a risk. Security is not an IT question. It's a risk question. And, 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 I, and I get people all the time saying, well, but my CIO wants to see the report. Exactly. If I write a report, if I'm the CISO and I write this report that says, uh, we're in trouble, guess what's going to happen politically? You know what can happen. I'm not saying all CIOs do this, but some CIO is going to go, I'm not putting this report up there because it says I haven't done any work over the last three years and we're more insecure today than we were three years ago. So I, I've well, always said- Anyway, we've angered the CFOs. Let's anger the CIOs too. Uh, it's like the fox keeping the hen pen. It, I mean, I, I know I exaggerated a bit, but but it's yeah. it's we have to we have to accept that security the the truth of security has to be offered to the board of directors or boards of the executives without filtering. It has to, we have to do that, and I know it's not it's not politically nice, and I'm not and I I'm not really an executive, but we have to we security officers are not going to do their job great unless they have the they know that they're going to be able to get their report through unfiltered and and i can tell you a bureau story about this we had our security officer who reported some some security breaches to one of our assistant special agents in charge and that especially that assistant said you know what i don't think this is important so it wasn't forwarded and guess what happened that security breach we suffered that exact issue like a month later and this this the sac which is like our ceo our office came back and said, why wasn't I notified? And the security officer kind of sat there, wasn't going to, you know, and, and the, the assistant wasn't going to say anything. And so wow. finally someone on the side said, uh, we submitted that report. And it slowly, they realized that this assistant, the CIO had kept it away from the, the we can't protect it. We, we're not doing ourselves any favors. And we're entering a world where compliance is going to become more of our reality. Uh, for example, Sarbanes-Oxley now requires financial companies to report cybersecurity and, and those those risks. But I believe that at times coming we're going to see Sarbanes-Oxley pushed into other sectors. I think healthcare is going to be a, is going to be one that we may see sooner than later. Um, unfortunately, the number of healthcare attacks in 2020 went way up, mainly because of COVID and because of COVID research. So, uh, thank you for that, um, James. I, I said we started this to be a epiphany and a freewheeling conversation. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I hope you did. 
I'm sure our listeners will. Uh, is, is just as a, I know you're still with HPE, are you, um, James? So which means if people want to talk to you, how do they talk to you? I mean, so, um, so wealth of knowledge. And I'll tell you the the big piece that I found useful is if you've written uh, code in uh, COBOL basic, when, you know, today people <laughs> configure, that time you really wrote, um, and Unix. Yeah. So you, and you've been up through the ranks. So you kind of understand what's going to happen when somebody breaks breaks in, right? Uh, how do people get in touch with you? So two ways. Um, so as an HPE employee, uh, my email address is james.m.morrison at hpe.com. Um, also, I do uh, I do cyber education. That is a job I do on the side through uh, Texas Cyber Guy. Um, so my email address is mail at txcyberguy.com. Um, and uh, I, I do this as a service. Um, I do presentations for businesses. I do presentations like Fidelity has me doing presentations for their customers because scams are a big thing. Uh, yeah. We're seeing a ton of scams focused around you know the elderly. Um, I do online safety presentations for uh, teenagers and young and young adults. And uh, I just think that we have to start having these conversations. And that's kind of I guess my my mission is to is to talk to as many people. And I want people not to say, oh my God, you know he's he knows what he's talking about cybersecurity. It's like that guy scared me. There we go. Fear can motivate us to make change. And that's my goal is to start changing the way we do business. I agree. And building a safer workplace and a safer world. Absolutely. Thank you for that, James. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Me Much too. appreciated time. I can think of six different episode shoots from here, right? From your time at the Navy to many things that we spoke. <laughs> I have to say Air Force, wasn't Navy. Navy. I have to say Air Force. Navy was a, you know. <laughs> Hey, maybe it was your colleague who learned Unix with you. Sorry, I, it, yeah. it was a colleague who learned Unix with you. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. Much appreciated. Very grateful. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And if you need anything, you know where I'm at. <laughs> we'll do. And for our listeners, you are James Morrison. You have his details. We'll make sure we put it down on the links. Uh, reach out to him if you need anything. And if you want to talk to somebody at Emphasis, reach out to us too. Have a great rest of the day, evening, wherever you're listening from. <music>